And we are back, CG, one more time with Mike G for the Sports Q episode number, what are we on, lucky number 13? 13. <clears throat> lucky number 13. Have you ever have you ever noticed that in hotels that they don't have the 13th floor? I think it took a while for me to figure that out, that hotels didn't have a 13th floor. Yeah, it, I think the same thing. It, it took me thinking about it a little bit. You don't think about it, but then when you go in an elevator, Vegas, forget about it. We talk about Vegas a lot, but Vegas, they have so many different floors and numbers that you just get lost no matter what. But just a normal elevator, if it's a 20-story building, they don't have a 13. Got to go old school. What's your lucky number? You know what? I always liked the number nine when I was like young playing sports. Yeah. The, the, that was always my number and. uh and baseball, I like that number. I was a big number 10 guy because I was number 10 quarterbacking in high school and whatnot. And then when I went to college for a year in, in Western Kansas, Fort Hay State, they gave me 16 because they said that that uh, I reminded them of Jake Plummer a little bit. Yeah. Hey, you, <laughs> okay. Jake Plummer, I like that comparison. You know who rem- reminds me a little bit of Jake Plummer? Somebody we talked about in the last episode, number 12, or your boy, Sam Hartman. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I could see that. Kind of balling like that right now, just kind of playing loose. And he's got some, he's got some good receivers to throw to, which, you know, you know, feeds that feeds that mentality. If you if you know you got 50 50 balls, you'll you'll be a little more risque, you know, and uh so that, that, that's that's pretty good. We, we can have a Jake Plummer throwback Arizona State 1996. I was a little portly, though. Jake the Snake was real skinny. Like he had just kind of, he was kind of lanky for a quarterback and the way that he would kind of just move around the pocket. He was so good with Arizona State that year. Oh, hell yeah, he was. Oh, they were so good. Yeah, that was, uh, I mean, that Arizona State team, like that era, that was, and I like wanted to go there. <laughs> I got, I got. I think everybody still wants to go to Arizona State. I think I got like a book scholarship offer to go run track over there. You made the right. It would have been so expensive. I, I think they were going to give me like a thousand dollars scholarship. Like, ah, oh, let's go to Arizona State. It's Mike GCG here with another episode of the Sports Q. We're going to talk about all kinds of topics coming your way. And a big shout out again to Rudy's Metals out there in Sacramento, California, our wonderful sponsor that you'll hear their commercials during our commercial breaks. But thank you to Roman. Thank you to Rudy's Metals. And uh, if you're out in Sacramento, California, check them out. So, Mike, I'm going to go ahead and give you a pat on the back. I'm going to let you take your victory lap right here because uh, last episode you talked about a trap game. We were going on and on and on about Michigan State and how uh, this could be the year and Mel Tucker's got them playing and they're going to be undefeated going into the Ohio State game. Sure enough, you look at that Purdue game and you say, this looks like a trap game. It feels like a trap game. And what do you know? They fell right into the trap. (laughs) Purdue has been the bear trap of college football. I mean, they have uh, they've pulled that off. They have more top five victories. Uh, as an underdog at home than anybody in college football. It's it's a, phenomenal, era. it's a phenomenal call by you. And the, here's the other thing, too. Maybe some listeners out there don't know, but wh- how would you define a trap game? If you were going to explain it in the simplest terms, what is a trap game? Here's how I would define it, and maybe you you would agree. I just see it as you're either looking ahead or you're coming off of a phenomenal week. So you've got a big rivalry coming up the the, the next 
game, or you just beat your in-state rival in a very tough match, and now you're coming up against a team where you may not be thinking about it. You may just think you're going to show up and you're going to beat them, and then, in essence, you get caught in the trap. But from a wagering standpoint, that could be a little different as well. Yeah, I mean, I think you're you're slightly broader than I am. I would say after a massive victory or you've been rolling along, I would also put in like this team that's been humming along where it's like uh, they're not as good as their last results are. There, there's multiple reasons for that. Uh, you know, they, they hit this matchup, especially away from their goose egg. They might lose it, but it's also, you know, after a big – a big emotional victory, a historic victory. I mean, it's hard to repeat that high in back-to-back weeks. And the, the other team is getting up for you. You got a target on your back. I mean, it's, it's college football. These are young guys. Like they can rise up, you know, the, the talent disparity at Purdue. It's not like they don't have anything. You know what I mean? Like they, they have good skilled players. They have good coaching. Jeff Brom is good. Uh, David Bell is a receiver that you're going to see in the NFL. He's probably going to be a first round pick. They're set up in a situation where they can perform and they did. So it's like I said, you're maybe a little more broad than I am, but I also like try to think of that trap game as like how, how the Cardinals in the NFL were rocking along. I was waiting for them to hit their trap game uh, and, and a pick and pull that I do. I burned myself a couple times with it because I'm like, oh yeah, they're they're gonna step in the hole this time, and it, and it didn't happen, and caused me to lose the week. But hey, it's uh, that's how it is sometimes. Trap nice, game. Nice segue by you there for the trap game right into some of the NFL coverage. We get into week number eleven in the NFL, and it's pretty much wide open. I mean, when when you're asking for parity and you're asking to basically say, we don't know who's going to end up in the Super Bowl. We know that there's going to be two quality football teams in there. There's been a lot of changes, a lot of movement. We're going to get into some of the individual categories and who we feel like is in the driver's seat. We're going to talk about some of the odds and as far as who are some of the contenders for some of those uh, end-of-the-season awards. But what's your feeling NFL-wise where you at? Cam Newton is back with the Carolina Panthers. I, I didn't think I'd ever see that happen. But uh, he's going to be starting. So I think he's one of the big storylines. Rodgers gets back under center here. Big Ben is out. There's a lot of movement. Uh, I'll talk about my Kansas City Chiefs real quick. They finally look like the Kansas City Chiefs last week. I felt like that was probably their best game of the season where they looked fast. They looked like they were executing on both sides of the ball. And if they can create turnovers – the Chiefs can win because they've got the offensive firepower to do it. I'm not sure what David Carr was doing on some of those throws. You know, Derek Carr. David or Derek? I always confuse him. It's Derek now, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, David's already yeah, yeah, you, Fresno David's State, your baby. Guy. David's your guy. Uh, <laughs> oh, but, but having Derek nightmares Carr, about those days. Derek Carr, you can tell the play calling is it's changing a little bit. There's no more Gruden. You know, you, you've kind of gotten over just the the first few weeks of Gruden not being there and kind of the excitement of playing with an interim head coach. And the Raiders have come back down to earth. And now the Chiefs, look at that. All the struggles they had early on, they find themselves in first in the AFC West. And I think they're going to roll uh, from here on out because they seem like they're they're dialed in. So how do you see things early on? And then we'll talk about some of the individual awards. You know, team team that I, I've been impressed with that I think is a bona fide Super Bowl contender is the Buffalo Bills. I mean, if they can 
if they can kind of get things rolling again, it's, I mean, Josh Allen, he's just such a hoss, man. I mean, the, the guys have run, I mean, the way he runs the deep ball, he's, uh, and he's pretty awesome right now. That defense, if you've got to go up into Buffalo in those winter games, I mean, they, they showed in the 90s, man. Like, it's a tough place to win. I mean, it's uh, – I'm liking Buffalo right now out of the AFC. They lost uh, to Jacksonville, though. What do we What do we take from that look, game? They lost 9-6. to six. That, Well, that trap game. Trap game. <laughs> I mean, humming right along and – Stepped in a big pile of shit. You know how many eliminator pools got eliminated? I mean, seriously, how, how many people screwed that up? Plus, it's a 9-6 game, so you're like, there's no way the Buffalo Bills are not going to score a touchdown in this game, and lo and behold, nothing. Nine well, yeah, six. I mean, that's what I mean. Like, the defense is still damn awesome. Yeah, so, I mean, so, yeah. So, taking a look at some of the standings, Buffalo leads that division. Uh, you're leaving out New England. New, New England is on a tear. They look like, uh, you think smoke <laughs> and mirrors. Yes. Wow. Yes. Do Come tell. on, man. Do tell. Do tell. Uh, the, the Patriots are, are not any type of serious contenders. They're, I, I've seen them on people's short list for the Super Bowl. I'm like, put down the crack pipe. All right. So we talk about the AFC, uh, AFC East, Buffalo. You think New England smoke and mirrors. You would be alone in that category. I think that defense is pretty solid. Uh, Mac Jones is going to have to start making some plays, but we said the same thing about Tom Brady. I mean, Tom Brady was supposed to make plays early on in his career, and all he did was just drive the ball down the field and make plays when they had to. Baltimore is a very quiet six and three. Pittsburgh, who knows what's going to happen there if they de- depend on Mason Rudolph and or uh, who else is back there? I think it's just Mason, right? Oh, Dwayne Haskins. Oh, jeez. That's, you know, that- <laughs> that's when you know it's bad. But hey, you got to give me some credit on the accountability tracker. Who do I have winning that division? Baltimore. Oh, we'll, we'll come back to that. No, we'll definitely come back to that on the tracker. Uh, Tennessee, they look like they're going to win that division. Indianapolis, I can't figure that out. They, they look like they're going to be right there. They look like they're going to step up. They're going to take the next step forward, and they just don't. They're sitting at 5-5, five and five, 500. Tennessee, without Derrick Henry, though, do they have any chance if Derrick Henry is not in the backfield? In my opinion, no. No, I mean, they need him to be that ramrod. I mean, he, he's the modern-day Earl Campbell, man. The guy is a complete stud. Um, if he comes back and they can get him for the playoffs, do I think they can make a run? Yes. Do I think they'll make the playoffs and win the division as currently constructed? Yes, I do. Uh, they have enough other good players. They can cobble it together with old man Adrian Peterson and McNichol. And uh, who, who's the third person? In they're Tennessee? using yeah i'd have to mcnichol the adrian peterson they, they got somebody else that it's like what so bet you like buffalo kansas city you, you gotta hand it to them for last week they looked really good last week last week was the first time it looked like the kansas city chiefs i i hope that they're starting to put things together now as they get into the second half of the season I'm not going to say that they planned this all along, but maybe they were just kind of farting around a little bit too much early on in the season, and now they've finally started to play some football. Big matchup against the Cowboys this weekend. Do you think they win that division? Chargers are right behind them at 5-4. and four. Yeah, 
Yeah, I, I think the Chiefs can get back on track. I mean, I, I can't betray them now. Remember, I put them, I put them in the Super Bowl again. So I, uh, like that. I was happy about that rematch. I mean, I was very, very bullish about their prospects and see them kind of go down the tube like they have, especially Mahomes, just be ineffective with the the, the same stable weapons that they've had and all that speed. It, it's very bizarre, but you know. That being said, like Andy Reid is going to be able to, he's going to be able to write the ship. He's going to be able to find the right formula. He's been doing it for a long time. Like for them, it matters, I think, more how they finish the season than what's going on now. So, yeah, do I think they can catch fire? I mean, do I have reason to abandon them? No, you know, so let's let's say they're, they're, they're going to win the division. Let's go, Chiefs. Just make sure we use those timeouts in the right spot there when we get into the playoffs. Dallas, they're the team that if anybody's asking me who I think is going to be in the Super Bowl, I think it's the Dallas Cowboys. It's probably crazy for me to think that, and I already see your face, and, and maybe we can touch on this a little bit, but they're 7-2. and two. I'm going to make my case for them in a second, but let's go through the rest of the NFC. Uh, Green Bay sits at eight and two. That division's pretty bad, though. Minnesota sits at four and five. They're already three games back. They're, they're running out of time. Uh, Green Bay looks like they're a lock to get into the playoffs, uh, probably with a, a very high seed as well. Green Bay is going to run away with it. Um, I mean, the Vikings. They're just too soft. I mean, the rest of the division's totally horrible. I mean, you got Detroit and the Bears, like. They're both going to have top five picks. Um, Aaron Rodgers, I think, is motivated. You know, they, they've had injuries at wide receiver. Aaron Jones is now injured. But they also have depth. Um, you know, they have a good team. And, you know, what I like to see Aaron Rodgers win another one, it wouldn't be the worst story. You know, I mean, honestly, I'm not saying MVP. It would be interesting if, if they got back to the Super Bowl. I mean, a Chiefs, a Chiefs-Green Bay Super Bowl, that would be – that would be pretty stellar. Um, but, you know, it's, uh, yeah, the Bucks have a lot to say about that. You know, the Bucks though, they're an interesting one because they're sitting at six and three. They're quietly not playing their best football right now in the middle of the season. But are they going through the same kind of thing that the Chiefs might have been going through at the beginning of the season? I don't want to say they're dogging it, but you just go through some of these games where they just are not showing up. You know, they lose at Washington last week. Washington obviously got up. You talk about, we talk about trap games. So maybe we have a little bit of the theme going, but you know, you know, your opponent is going to give you their best shot because you're the reigning Super Bowl champs. So uh, Tampa, do they have anything to worry about? New Orleans is only one game back, but they have Travis Simeon. It looks like the rest of the way. The great Trevor Simeon. Um, what do they call him? Travis Simeon? <laughs> I mean, it's okay. He's <laughs> he's a seventh-round pick out of Northwestern, known for his quick study of the playbook. But the Broncos, and I thought he was actually a pretty – he could have been the guy. Well, I don't know where you got that from. I mean, I like your comparison with, with yourself and Jake Plummer probably better than I like that one. <laughs> the NFC West – they're beating each other up. We'll see. Arizona looks like maybe they feel like we're going to get set for the playoffs. They're sitting at eight and two. They've come back to earth a little bit. They lose JJ Watt. Uh, you know that very well in Houston. Uh, JJ, phenomenal player, just it gets hit by that injury bug. But Kyler Murray, he's been dealing with some injuries. The Rams seem to be kind of going through something now. Robert Woods is out of the lineup. He tears his ACL. Now you get Odell coming in. That's a competitive division in there. And and then San Francisco takes it right to the Rams. They just play them well. But that NFC West, are they going to beat each other up so much that when it comes to the playoffs, any one of those teams coming out of there are going to be out of steam? 
Yeah, I mean, the war of attrition is real. I mean, I, I, I could, I could see that. Yeah, I could see that scenario where whoever comes out of that dogfight, they're not, they're, they're, they ultimately fail. So let me make the case for the Dallas Cowboys. People have asked me who I think is going to go to the Super Bowl. Of course, I'm going to say the Kansas City Chiefs, but the Dallas Cowboys have arguably, outside of Tom Brady, the best quarterback in the NFC. Weapons-wise, what what receiver combo is better than them? Better than Amari Cooper and C.D. Lamb right now? Oh, their receivers are awesome. Yeah, I'll give them that. Their O line still very solid. You got Zeke Elliott still back there. He looks like he's he's quietly had a very good season, but he's just playing ball and he's performing. The defense is it smoke and mirrors though? Is the defense a little bit? The rat you're you're, you're you're seeing a lot of razzle dazzle play. Look, Traquan Diggs has been incredible, but they've said literally the book on him is the guy's gonna get beat. He's gonna get beat deep, and he's gonna get beat on some routes. But he is a playmaker, and sure enough, he's a playmaker. I mean, he he has a nose for the ball. He knows what to do with it when he catches it, and and he's taken some some interceptions back to the house. The defense, if they can hold up enough, because you're talking some serious offenses. I mean, you talk about these matchups, a Dallas-Green Bay matchup, a Green Bay-Tampa matchup, an Arizona-LA Rams matchup. I mean, it's offense, offense, offense. I'm not going to say the Cowboys have a better defense than the Rams on paper, but to me, Dallas has the most well-rounded team to get to the Super Bowl. And they're not going to get beat up in their division because they still play Philly, Washington, who's competitive, and the Giants in their division. I mean, you bring up a lot of good points. Um, with Where am I wrong, though? Where am I wrong? No, the model works. Okay, here I'm going back in the time machine a little bit, but I, I think you'll like this comparison. So you're basically saying, hey, the Cowboys, their defense is opportunistic. You know, maybe they can hold serve and make plays. Their offense is really good. That doesn't sound like the 2009 Saints model with Drew Brees. They were balling out. They were throwing all over. Marcus Colston spreading the ball around. Real prolific offense. The defense was terrible at times, but would turn people over and, and make plays and set up the offense. And that formula worked, you know what I mean? The, the opportunistic defense, because to me, turnovers is not you, – you can have a very good defense and rank mediocre in turnovers because a little bit it's – you know, it, it's – there's a random element to it. It's – you can't turn people over all the time. Some of it's just they make bad plays. And yeah, I think, I think Dan Quinn was the biggest coaching pickup for a team – in the offseason. I think there were a few, but I think Dan Quinn going to the Cowboys was a huge move because the guy knows how to coordinate defense. You know, look, he he was in Atlanta. They had some success. He got him to a Super Bowl. He comes back over to Dallas. He only has to worry about one side of the ball. Obviously, the guy knows what he's doing. He, he's probably in line for another head coaching job, I would imagine, in the next couple of years if he continues at this pace. You know, he's still a younger guy. Um I don't know. Something strikes me that 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 Jerry's world, they end up in the Super Bowl uh, at the end of the season, and, and they'll be playing in LA and and facing off against hopefully the Chiefs, 
the Bills is interesting, though. Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills, right? As Chris Berman would say. Oh, man. Good times with that. NFL <laughs> primetime. Best, so, best so highlight show ever. Oh, God. It was so good with Tom Jackson. So at the midway point, your Super Bowl, you keep it the same. Bucks and Chiefs is who you had at the beginning of the season. You're at the midway point. Where are you at? I mean, I have no reason to pivot from that because I think there's a lot of ball to be left. And I don't, I don't think any of these teams have peaked. So you did yeah, say I mean, Buffalo, I, though. So how does Buffalo then come out of there if you're going to take the Chiefs in the Super Bowl? Well, I got to stick with it, but uh, Buffalo, I could see the Buffalo taking down the Chiefs. So if you were going to take, if you were going to make a switch midseason here, you would swap. Yes, yeah, because I, I think the Bucks were just bored. Uh, I think the Bucks are they they just have so much firepower and so much speed on defense. It's it's tough. And it's Tom Brady in the playoffs. Individual awards. We were talking about this. Uh, you were pulling up some lists and you were taking a look at some of these odds and some of the numbers. So uh, let's go through some of the categories. Don't have to go through all of them, but uh, go through a couple categories here. Some of the odds who some people might like. And uh, these are our what Thanksgiving gifts to you, right? I mean, you're going to give thanks because we're going to give you plenty of value we're going to give you the uh the guys that we think definitely in in line with these awards and uh hopefully you can make a, a few bucks so who you got yeah absolutely uh explosive growth as far as the value goes here um you know looking over here at the mvp list over here i'm pulling these courtesy of uh, bovada las vegas uh, MVP odds that I like now that I throw a few coins on one that I mentioned earlier in our, I think that was maybe episode five uh, plus 800 Matt Stafford, which you could also pair that with a plus 2,500 Cooper cup. I, I like those two. Uh, Matt Stafford was a good long shot to begin the season with and Cooper Cup has been absolutely fantastic out of the slot. I mean, he is he's done it all, man. Like, I mean, he's over a thousand yards leading in, in touchdown reception. So th- those are two guys that, that really stand out to me on the list as far as, you know, value. And then somebody expressed some interest in. Yeah, in an earlier episode when we kicked off the season. So I like Stafford at eight to one. It just seems like quarterbacks are always in the driver's seat. Cooper Cup is going to have to do something really incredible towards the end of the season uh, to take it down. But at twenty-five to one, it's it's worth a flyer, definitely. Who's in the mid-range? Like, who do you got in the like twelve, fifteens? It's got to be a player in there that holds some appeal. Uh, in that range, okay. I mean, I know who you're going to take in that. And in in that kind of next tier, but well, it's not. Uh, it's, it can't be Mahomes. If, if it's if you're saying it's going to be Mahomes, it's not. No, it's no, no, I, no. I wasn't. No, I wasn't going to go there. Um, if Baltimore is going to continue to rise and be the team that I thought they were going to be earlier in the season, it's going to be on Lamar Jackson. Like yeah. they're dropping over there. Like he's going to have to just do it. You know what I mean? So that's at plus twelve hundred. That's there, there's some value there. Um, yeah, I guess it's 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 kind of come to a point where somebody's going to have to show something here towards the end of the season to separate themselves from the rest of the pack. And how do they do it and who's providing enough value? Lamar Jackson is probably your guy. I, I mean, that that name does stand out to me. If he's at 12 to 1, you said, yeah, I like that one. I'm not crazy about Cooper Cup. I think it's worth, you know, 
a few bucks if you wanted to throw it on Cooper Cup and something like that at, at a big price like that. Who's who's an astronomical, just total out of the box? Where's Trayvon Diggs on that? We're gonna go hit to him in the next category, but you, <laughs> you know, a guy that has been on uh, been helping me crush it in fantasy. That's like in the super long shot. Uh, and the, and the, this team would have any semblance of making a run. They would need him to do this. Debo Samuel. Oh, at two hundred one. Like, oh, I mean, yeah, he did. He did. I, mean, I mean, he just like they start feeding him the ball. He starts doing all this stuff. San Francisco makes a run into it. I mean, just super long shot. He would have to be nuts. He has been playing really well. <laughs> that has zero shot, but yeah. No, I know. Point. I'm just, I'm just yeah. like, all right. You want one that's like just way. No, up. that's what. That's why he's two hundred one. It makes a lot of sense. Hail uh, Mary, so, right there. So, who do they have as the favorites in there? Who's your top two? My top two. I mean, I, I like Stafford. Uh, no, but I'm saying who do, who do who do they have as the top two right now? Oh, Brady and Allen. Okay, which I, I don't disagree with that at all. Like, that's, I mean, Brady's Brady's just been putting up four packs left right, and right, yeah. right, and and Allen is yeah. It's well, let's go to Defensive Player of the Year since uh, you brought up Trayvon Diggs and he ranks pretty high on that list. What what do you think without looking? Uh, Where do you think I he is on it? Where where is he on the list? Yeah, uh, because he's setting some crazy numbers as far as uh, interceptions, uh, the impact he's having. Yes, he's a rookie, uh, but the fact that Dallas is also very good, and he's been the highlight kind of primetime Deion Sanders type player with an impact. I could see him sitting ten to one right now. Huh, plus three fifty, my friend. No second best odds. He can't be that low. Oh, he is. Wow. It it almost seems like Aaron Donald just wins that award every year, but maybe he's not in the conversation. Where do you think? Well, where do you think Aaron Donald is inside the top five or outside the top five? Uh, he's probably outside the top five. I, I don't I don't know if he's been as dominant inside. No, he's, he's in the sand. He's well, fourth best odds. Well, there you go. It's been the Aaron Donald Award for what three out of four years, something like that. Yeah, the dude's a monster. I, I, I like Trayvon Diggs. He's probably the only Alabama player that I like. So, but three and a half to one, that's pretty low. Who else is on there then? Miles Garrett, which he's just, he's a monster. Right. And Cleveland's terrible. Like, right. They wouldn't be, they wouldn't be functioning if he, if he wasn't that? balling out. Their whole defense is good. How about that D lineman that was tearing up the Rams for Tennessee? Is he on there? He's a Titans D lineman. You don't you don't hear that much about. Oh, him. Oh, you talk about Jeffrey Simmons. Yeah, he's yes. a monster, man. Yeah, Jeffrey exactly. Simmons is a beast, dude. Yeah. yeah, he's not on there. Where's Jeffrey Simmons on this? No, he's not. But you know what? Like that guy, uh, he had a lot of injury problems at Mississippi State. Yeah, and and that's what kind of held him back. But like when he played, he was that. But now that he's over his injury problems, dude, he's 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 crushing people, dude. The guy is. <laughs> big like, that's a guy if you're looking at say next season because the because of the way he's performed this season you know he's kind of like a matthew judon you know it, they're, they're not household names really but everyone in the nfl knows that this guy is solid this is the guy maybe not for this year because it might be too late tennessee's gonna have to probably have a one seed and he's gonna have to do some really big things defensively to pass a miles garrett or something like that but next season i could see a guy like that kind of sneaking in now everybody knows him he gets a little bit more pub behind him and then you catch a little bit of value too yeah i mean that that it's i mean that makes sense to me 
That makes sense. Uh, so what are the other two categories? Rookies? You got, well, defensive rookie of the year. Yeah. Along your Cowboys theme, who, who do you think's leading that list? So is it, is it Trey Kwan or is it Micah Parsons? Micah. Yeah. I mean, you, you can't go wrong with either one. And this is, this goes back to Jerry Jones. I, I mean, for him being <laughs> the GM, the guy does his homework and drafts guys very well. Did, Micah Parsons, the only reason he even slipped in the draft is because he opted out. I loved him. I loved him in the draft. I I, I told all. I mean, buddies, when he played at Penn State, he was a complete monster. But the thing he was, is, he, he was really he, good. He had that charisma. Did you see when they had the draft and they had the cameras following him around and he just he just had it. You know, he knew how to talk to people. It didn't. He didn't feel like it, the moment was too big for him. And you knew he was going to perform. And look at him. Look at what he's doing. And then they pick up Traquan Diggs. You know, kind of just <laughs> in the same draft. And they got to be one too. You know who Micah Parsons is that you'll remember from back back in the day? He's like a, you know, he's not as big as like LeVar Arrington, but he's like that <laughs> athletic and smaller and faster. Yeah. Hopefully he'll have a better career. I mean, LeVar kind of lost it after a while. LeVar Arrington was like everybody's favorite. He, he, he looked like a linebacker. Everything about him was a linebacker. Well, yeah, in the last like era, big pads too. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody wears the big pads anymore. Offensive rookie <laughs> of the year. Let's let's get some offensive rookie of the year candidates in here before we uh, get into our first break. But uh, who's on that list and where's the value? Offensive rookie of the year. Offensive rookie, uh, dude. That's that's a layup. Um, Jamar at the top. Well, there's two. There's uh, the, there's two Captain Obvious ones that are neck and neck. Mac and Jamar. Got it. Yeah. You got it. Najee Harris at plus. I mean, nobody else really worth talking about. Like, I agree with that. Like, I'm going to go for Jamar Chase because he's the best college receiver of all time. (laughs) And that's it. And that's your point. (laughs) The point is made. (laughs) I mean, that's all you have to say. Like, Jamar Chase, 2019 LSU, unstoppable. Lit up everyone. It was fun to watch. It was like... What was that guy doing? He and Joey Burrow are going to be doing some nice things for many years. Hopefully they both stay healthy. But uh, Jamar Chase, uh, Mac Jones is going to win that award. I got news for you. If he continues at the rate of play that he is, uh, he's a quarterback. He's with the Patriots. I love Jamar. He's going to have to put up some crazy numbers to to make the case. And a lot of people are going to say Jamar, he'll be the should have won the, the Offensive Rookie of the Year award. Yeah, uh, you know what? I think you probably hit the nail on the head with that. Uh, I, I think you are right on. It's going to be one of those, like, looking back at their careers. Yeah. You, like, Jamar Chase, is he's got Hall of Fame arc. I don't think Mac Jones is going to be a Hall of Famer. I, I just I, – I don't see it. Do I think he could be a serviceable starter in the league? Yeah, but I don't think he's going to be a superstar. Uh We'll see what happens playoff times. We'll see what happens in some of these end-of-the-year awards. Uh, before we get out of here on NFL, Thanksgiving, day pick. Let's take a look at the slate. We'll look ahead a little bit. Are you going to touch the Bears and Lions game uh, to kick things off your first thing uh, in the day as tradition on Thanksgiving? Bears at the Lions. You know what? 
is, is, is someone who spent their childhood in the suburban Detroit area and grew up a Lions fan and grew up about 10 minutes from where their training camp was at Oakland University, there was always this urban legend or myth that, that permeated the community that the Lions were the stalwart team on Thanksgiving. The Lions started the Thanksgiving tradition in 1936. That's why they are allowed to play on Thanksgiving every single year, despite the fact that they are the worst NFL franchise, bar none. I looked at their record all time on Thanksgiving Day. Do you think the record is above 500 or below 500, Chris? No, it's got to be below. It's got to be below. 37, 42, and 2 oh, yeah. is the all-time Thanksgiving record. But despite all this negativity, would I fire on the Lions beating the Bears for their first win of the season on Thanksgiving? Uh, probably not, but you know what? They're going to do it. They're, they're going to turn the tide. That's going to be the one win the Lions get. It's going to be a Thanksgiving Day miracle. I love that they achieved a tie before they achieved a win in the NFL. Oh, Things are looking up. The Dan Campbell mission. <laughs> they still got a game this week. We'll see what happens in the next week. Uh, Raiders at the Cowboys. I think Jerry's team, I, I think Jerry's world takes it right to him. Cowboys at home. Raiders are going, to me, I think they're going south. I think Cowboys win this one in hand by many. Yeah, Cowboys this week. That'll be next week. It'll be it'll be next week as we get into Thanksgiving. Yeah, I, I mean, Cowboys are on a roll right now. I'm, I'm I'm curious what the spread is on that one. Seven points. Ah, Cowboys are given seven early. Oof. Bears Lions, they're not even making a line right now. <laughs> well, yeah, like you said, they got another game in between, but yeah, but you know so what? The Raiders and Cowboys do too. I could see that game being a back and forth punch out, though. Like, I would be scared. I think the Cowboys would win, but I would be scared to take them for a touchdown. Could I really be, would. Could be a trap game. Yes, yes. No, I, I see that game being not a lot of defense being played. Cowboys play the Chiefs this week. Big game. They'll go into next week and they'll host the Raiders on Thanksgiving Day. That's a quick turnaround off of probably the game of the season uh, that they marked on their calendars. They're the Cowboys and the Chiefs coming up this week. And then Bills and Saints are going to wrap things up on Thursday night. Whether you're still, are you still going to be awake by this point, Thursday night football game on Thanksgiving? Potentially. Yeah. No, I will be. Too many kids. It's not going to be that crazy as it used to get. It can be a late night. <laughs> what about you? Oh, I think I'll, I think I'll be I think I'll be awake. I think I'll be awake. okay. I'm going to volunteer in the morning, and then I'm going to have a real light Thanksgiving. So, uh, yeah, I, I think I'll be awake. But we'll see what happens there. All kinds of great things coming up. Uh, we're not going to talk to you guys before Thanksgiving, so enjoy the uh, full slate of NFL games on Thanksgiving Day. All the games coming up this weekend, and hopefully, we're pointing you in the right direction on some of these end of the year. Uh, late season awards for some of these top players. Jamar Chase, Mac Jones, we're going to see that uh, throw down in the offensive rookie of the year. That could be real interesting, but let's take one break. What do you think, Mike? Let's just take one break here because we ran a little bit long in this segment. So we'll come back. We'll talk a little college football. We're going to talk some EPL. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, Mexico, the U S and Canada and the weird kind of uh, combination of soccer that's been going on there as well. So we'll be right back on the sports queue. Mike G and CG. We'll be right back after this message from Rudy. These medals. 
Rudy's Metals in Sacramento, California is your one stop for all your metal needs. It's your metal recycling center. Copper, brass, aluminum, steel, tin, and much, much more. You can call them today at 916-912-0487. They're located at 750 Richards Boulevard in Sacramento, California. If you are on the West Coast, Rudy's Metals is your spot. You can get cash for your medals today. Check out rudysmedals.com. Once again, back on the Sports Cube, Mike GCG, one more time with one more segment here. We're going to do this. We can just call it a holiday episode. You know, that's what we do. Two segments, holiday episode. You know, Thanksgiving, the whole thing. What's your, what's your Thanksgiving go-to? What, 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 what do you go right for? What do you have to have on the plate? Man, the best... The best thing's probably the stuffing. I mean, that's the most unique. I mean, turkey's all right. I like to smoke the turkey. That, that, that can be fun to do, I mean, especially. I mean, you've been down in down in Texas in November. Like, it's it's a good month down here weather wise. Sit outside, have some drinks, smoke some meat. You know, live that country that, life. One thing the NFL does very well on Thanksgiving is football. And the NCAA kind of steers clear. They they kind of stay out of the way of the NFL on Thanksgiving Day. They don't want to mess around too much. You are going to get one game though. Ole Miss is going to be at Mississippi State uh, on Thanksgiving at seven thirty uh, at night. That's an interesting game to kind of tune in if you're kind of sick of the NFL action. You want to jump over to college football as we start talking about some of the college football. Lane Kiffin, what he's done, he's got the quarterback that's going to be a top 10 pick, it looks like, in the NFL draft. It's pretty incredible what he's done. It's also incredible what he's doing, the fact that he was able to pick, make selections on college game day, uh, the morning of the game last week. The fact that he's able to now talk openly about recruits because of just the way that regulations and the rules have changed as far as the recruitment of players. Lane Kiffin is, is, is working the system to a T right now. Two questions. How long is he going to stay at Ole Miss? And are they going to handle Mississippi State on the road on Thanksgiving? The Egg Bowl is always tough. I, I, I think a lot of it depends on the health of health of Matt Corral, if they're going to win that one. I mean, you saw what Mississippi State did to Auburn recently, that completely insane comeback. I mean, they were down by four touchdowns. It's like the biggest comeback in Mississippi State history. Will Rogers, a quarterback for the Bulldogs, is – he's the best guy that, that Leach has ever had. I'm serious. Like, going back into his history, uh, he never got to coach Mahomes at Tech. But it's uh, it's fascinating stuff. I don't want to slight Fresno State and San Jose State. They also play on Thanksgiving. Who you got there? You know what? I'm going to have to now go with Nick Starkle not- and the San Jose State Spartans. Look at this guy. Didn't even think he would know anything about those West Coast teams, and there he comes. He comes with this, that's why you're Mike G, dude. That's why you're Mike G. Look, you know, there, there's, there's a lot of pack after dark time in my lifetime. That's how I know a lot of late nights in college football. <laughs> Let's talk some top 25 here in some of the rankings as we go into another week of college football. Georgia is is distancing themselves from the field as far as the quality of play. They're kind of boring to watch, uh, but you know, it's not about making it exciting really to watch, I guess. They have a dominant defense. He's got I mean, how many first and second rounders does he have on that defensive side of the ball? Oh, Georgia? I mean, what, they're going to have 
they're going to have like 14 guys drafted. I mean, it's it's insane what they're doing on that side of the ball. Their uh, team is awesome. I yeah. mean, they're going to have 14 guys drafted. I think a 10 or – I've heard t- possibly 12 on defense, but they'll probably have 10 for sure. It seems like they've got about six running backs back there. I mean, they're just they're just loaded at, at, at every position. He has uh, recruited well, and they are – Clearly the number one. I don't think anybody's disputing that. Uh, Alabama might still be a little bit of dispute at number two. You know, what did they do to maintain that position? You know, they beat up on New Mexico State. Uh, now they start getting into kind of the, the final stages of their season. Uh, as we talked about, if they lose the SEC championship to Georgia, does that scenario still throw everything kind of in flux? I don't think Alabama, if they have two losses, should be in the, in the final four scenario under yeah. any circumstance. Yeah. But how do you, I, I just don't know what you do here because you got a situation now because you've got – as long as Oregon doesn't slip up in their last – well, it will be three games. So they're Did all you the see road. their mathematical odds, Chris, to actually make it to the college football playoff? I, I, that, that's what struck me. Have you, have you seen it? Because no. if not, if not – Take a guess. Oregon's or Alabama? Oregon, Oregon, to make the college football playoff. I was shocked. You were shocked at the number? Yeah. Is it a, what is it, a, like a between a zero and a hundred percent type thing? Yes. I would say based off of, because I've seen their schedule, they're going to play, uh, they're going to play at Utah. So that probably hurts them a little bit. And they're going to host Oregon State. And then you talk about a Pac-12 championship. I would say they're probably at a 91% to get into the Final Four. They're 5%. Oh, how is that possible? 5%. How is that possible? Who can who can jump them in that scenario? Because they think got... that they're going to lose one of their remaining games. Well, that's what that, that, that's what that yeah, means. Yeah. I mean, it, it's not so much being jumped if they win out. No, that's the the scenario. But they see that as a five percent play. So who do they that's think? That's the mathematical models, Utah? whatever they they're, they're worth. They think they're going to lose to Utah this week. Yeah, has to be. Has to be that they think they're or the lose Civil to War. Yeah, but I don't. I, I, if they were in Corvallis, maybe, but not not at home. I don't, I don't see them losing to Oregon. Dude, it's here. a goofy game, man. You know uh, that weather yeah. gets in Oregon yeah. <laughs> like in yeah. November, like that. It's like, Storm, it, rainy, it's it goofy. De- I guess it depends on who they would play in the Pac-12 championship as well. Because what did they do? They broke that up there. So who would they see? They'd see Utah again. Yeah, yeah. That's so they basically. I mean, I mean, if you're telling me mathematically they're five percent, that that's what the stats say. That means they yeah. lose. That means they're losing to Utah this weekend. Oh well, yeah, they are underdogs. I, I they are minus three. Yeah. I mean, Utah's minus three. three. Sorry. Yeah, Yeah, plus three. Yeah, sorry. Well, there you go. So now uh, take that scenario then. If you're saying they're 5% Oregon loses, they're out. Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State is an absolute mess because (laughs) they're all going to basically make a case. Michigan is out if they lose to Ohio State. Ohio State is presumably out if they lose to Michigan, right? So that game doesn't get any bigger. Michigan State also plays Ohio State this I mean they all play each other so <laughs> well you know trap game you know it's one way to get out of the trap if you're Michigan State 
go beat on the Buckeyes, but I don't see that happening. I think they're like 19-point underdogs. They are. So Ohio State beats Michigan State. Then they go into the big house. They play uh, Michigan. If they lose at Michigan, Michigan's in the Final Four. Michigan wins out. Yeah, they're going to get in. It doesn't get any bigger. I mean, that that's that that almost becomes the biggest regular season game of the season, no doubt. But in the history of that game, I mean, that's got to be one of the biggest ranks. 1964 was the last time I mean, it's that they be. were both ranked in the top 10 and played each other. 1964, Chris. It's a long time ago. And so at with all of this happening, who is sitting there in the catbird seat? <laughs> There's actually, the Big Ten. there's actually two teams that could be sitting in the catbird seat on this. Well, just watching all this action, because if we're talking Oregon's going to lose, potentially. Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, they have a mess. If Cannibalize. Michigan, if Michigan beats Ohio State, or, or really, if Ohio State beats both Michigan and Michigan State, then that leaves one open spot that really is only going to leave two teams in the driver's seat, right? Yeah. Cincinnati. Cincinnati, if they went out, they're go- they're going to get in at the, at this point. With and Oklahoma Notre- having happened what happened to them. And Notre Dame. Notre Dame will there will be a bias against Notre Dame. They're not going to let Notre Dame in if really? they lose to Cincinnati. No. Nope. Really? You're going to get Cincinnati, but you're not going to get Notre Dame. You're not going to have a situation where no. I'm just telling you, like, the committee's not going to do it. That would be fatigue. Okay. Nobody wants to see that situation. Nobody. Trust me. Like, your fans around the country, nobody's like, oh, yeah, we want Cincinnati, and we want very mediocre, watered-down, Jack Jack Cone, Notre Dame. Yeah, give me some of the Cone man. I mean, Notre Dame's kind of – I mean, yeah, Kieran Williams is a good player, but they're kind of trash. So who else is out here? Okie State, Oklahoma State, nine and one. Wake Forest sits behind them, nine and one. Baylor sitting at eight and two. Mississippi, eight and two. Oklahoma, nine and one. Is there any way Oklahoma finds their way back into this picture somehow? No way. Is there a way that Oklahoma State can find themselves in the picture somehow? Yes. Okay. Went out. If they went out, then, then, then there's a scenario where they get in. So Oregon loses. They went out. They need Cincinnati to lose and Oklahoma State's in? Oh, if, yeah. If that scenario happened and they won out, yeah, they would because they would have to beat Oklahoma in the uh, Bedlam game. And they would have the title game. So, I don't, I, I, you know, there'd be several scenarios, but that would be like Iowa State. Like, yeah, they, I mean, they would deserve to get in. So who in then at this point, who is in the best position? to? Because here's the problem, and it's not really a problem. If you're the SEC, it's not a problem. We're pretty much saying Georgia and Alabama are in no matter what. Now, you're saying a two-loss Alabama team does not deserve to be in. If that's the case, then it's really a mess because then if you get Alabama out of there, if Oregon happens to lose, uh, if Ohio State loses to Michigan, you've basically got the perfect storm, and now you've got seven teams all basically saying that they need to be in. And then you well, start, and then you start jumping into that, you know, expansion conversation again. I don't see Alabama losing the SEC championship to Georgia. I, I just don't see it. I mean, it's going to be a close game. 
Uh, I mean, Georgia's been very close the last couple times in big games against Alabama. This team's a little more talented. I I think they have a little more firepower and experience. And I think they finally get it done. They're due. That's my opinion. Alabama's a top four team. Like they're going to get to the college football playoff. That's reality. Do do I think a two loss Alabama should, you know, I, I think it's, but in the reality, at the end of the day, they are going to, they are Alabama. I mean, that's what happens when you have a committee. There's going to be a little bit of bias, and I'm okay with it because they have good players. It's not like they're going to come out and be a total dud or get slapped around like Notre Dame would. Right. I mean, that's that's what it boils down to. So as long as, you know, Alabama's in the other side of the bracket, that's probably what's going to happen. You're going to so have then- the Big Ten winner, Alabama, Georgia, and then whoever comes out of the muck, potentially Cincinnati or Oregon. But uh, – I think Oregon's going to blow it. Like I think Utah is going to beat them. I think. So who's it, so who's your four right now? Georgia, Bama, Ohio State, Cincinnati. So Ohio State wins out the rest of the season. They beat Michigan State and Michigan two weeks in a row. Yes. Wow. Yikes. Yeah, because Yikes. It, they're they're playing in Columbus, I think, too. Uh, one and one. They're on the road at Michigan. They're at it doesn't Michigan. matter. They've completely dominated that series. I mean, it, it's sad. Like I said, I grew up a Michigan fan. Like I, I love the maize and blue. I mean, I got I got Michigan in my blood, but they they have not answered the bell against Ohio State in recent times. It hasn't been. I mean, it's been a long time since they they've been on the top of that rivalry, and I, I don't see it happening this year. But you never know. I mean, I, I want to be wrong here. I really do. My heart wants to be wrong. And then let's jump over to the tracker. And while we take a look at the tracker here, we're going to remind people it's, as far as the Heisman chase and where we were, you sent me that tracker sheet. And I just want to pull this up real quick and take a look at where is that Heisman trophy candidate that we had? You know, looking at some of this like memory lane, I put NL. <laughs> champion is braves i said that in may i know it was good they won the freaking world series against my thing. beloved astros oh, yeah my i don't God. i don't see it but let's just talk about uh uh heisman trophy real quick and who the top contenders are you said bryce young i, I mean you you named him and you you had him on the list and this is your guy uh the price has gotten shorter and shorter it just seems like we're just handing him the award though it hasn't been i haven't seen anybody really Besides Walker, you know, uh, Kenneth Walker, you know, in that big performance against Michigan, like had that Heisman moment. You know what I mean? I'm telling you, I'm still liking Sam Hartman if, if they can somehow make the run. Well, uh, no, they're, no, they're I making mean, a run, but I just, I don't know. I, I mean, Bryce Young, like, I agree with you. I, I get what you're saying. Like, I'm not trying to, to be evasive. I, I, I think they're just, it's an easy thing to do. Like, he's a lights out. He's an awesome first year starter. Like, it's a super talented team. I mean, he's got a rifle for an arm. He's got poise. Like, he's going to be, he's going to be a number one pick. Like, the guy's a stud. Like, I totally get it, but. Let's just not hand him the trophy. Like this year's a little more wide open. Let it go outside the box. I mean, you know, the, if he would have been a hero, they would have got it done against A and M. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, it's it's an interesting kind of uh, breakdown of the whole thing. I, Hutchinson's kind of interesting for me. If Michigan found themselves in the top four, if you're talking about like a different player, different side of the ball, he's been dominant. Aiden Hutchinson, man, that's. He's been uh, 
They're, they're showing him going to the Texans number two. He's been dominant, man. I, I think that he, he would be one of those interesting like defensive players that just kind of sneaks in there and – He's not quite Steve Etman, but uh, you know, I think he, I think he's oh, I don't know, those, dude. Uh, he, he looks number ninety-seven. Dude. He's got the old school <laughs> D line. He's just ah, power chopping people, getting on the edge, smashing people. Like, yeah, I mean, he's he, yeah, he, he looks the part. Uh, you know, a little Miles Garrettish, a <laughs> little bit, a little bit. Uh, let's take a look at some EPL while we're here. Thanksgiving episode bunching up these categories because we don't want to keep you guys too long. I know you're all uh, looking forward to your turkey and stuffing and cranberry sauce and whatever else you got going on out there. Uh, let's take a look at the table a little bit. Chelsea, Man City. I always mess this one up. WH. <laughs> West, West Ham, Ham United. West Ham. West Ham the yeah. Hammers. Liverpool, Arsenal, Man U. Man U. What's, going, what's going on? In six, my my choice is just dropping in the standings. Uh, and then uh, what else have we got in here? Tottenham, who we talked about, they, they're kind of dropping a little bit from, from when we last talked. So uh, what's been going on? Who's on the rise? Who's on the fall? Uh, and then we're going to talk about some local North American soccer as well. Uh, but let's talk some EPL and some DFS if you got some time here for the Premier League. Yeah, looking at it from a... DFS slate, it it looks pretty tasty. And I mean that from a sense that to me, it's a lot more fun to, uh, to play the, the DFS angle when they're kind of games that are projected to be draws or high scoring, or you really don't know who's going to win. That makes it a little more interesting. You can kind of go by feel and, and feel like you got a fighting chance. You know, sometimes it's hard to just hone in on, Oh, well, it's scrubs versus studs. And, Oh, I'm trying to lock in on a couple goal scores. So, you know, looking at that Burnley, Crystal Palace, Aston Villa, Brighton. I mean, these are some teams where it's it's going to be pretty random. Newcastle, Brentford, Norwich, Southampton. Oh, yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun to play so some we, of those. I'm actually so, looking forward to it. So these matches are these kind of they, – they don't hold the most appeal. These are not exactly the ones that you jump right on and, and, and put them on national television right away kind of matches. Yeah, I mean, Liverpool Arsenal is obviously big-time big television. Right. Yep. Uh, that's – I mean, that, that that's the chess piece. Uh, you know, that, that's our showdown match of the DK Premier club. But that being said, I being an Arsenal fan, Liverpool is a significant favorite and – They've been on a roll. It wouldn't it wouldn't shock me if they slapped around Arsenal. I mean, Emil Smith Rowe has been a, a revelation for Arsenal, and recently got his England first goal. And the youngsters that they have with the excellent goalkeeping, you know, they got a chance. It'll be a good test for them. I'm looking forward to watching it. You know, looking forward to it to playing it. You know, the DFS realm. So it's uh, what's your final there? So what are you seeing in that Liverpool and Arsenal match there? I don't. I don't think Arsenal's defense is going to shut down Liverpool. So I, I think Liverpool wins two to one. Uh, that That's my brain talking. You know, my heart would like to see it the other way, but I think the reality is Liverpool is a better squad. All right. Taking a look at uh, some of the other matches here uh, coming up this weekend and maybe even something into next weekend. But you said that nothing was really jumping out to you too much. Uh, Leicester and Chelsea, that's a really early game for us out here. But did that one hold any appeal to you? Uh, Leicester, Chelsea, seems like Chelsea's on a roll. They've won four in a row. Uh, but Leicester's won two in a row. So so what do you take from that match? 
Yeah, I mean, Lester's heating up a little bit. It, it'll be 6.30 a.m. Central Time here in Houston, Texas. So um, probably won't be catching that match. Get the coffee. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it depends on the day with the kids. But hopefully I will not be up that early. I don't want to be. So, but that does hold some appeal. Like you said, Lester is is trending upward. You know, Chelsea has such a solid squad and you know, it just seems to just lack, they just seem like one player away and then they would be unstoppable. It's hard to tell, but like I said, this, this slate's a lot more attractive for me from DFS. I mean, some of the, some of the players that, that, that I like, just name them off, you know, Milo Rashitska for, uh, Nor Norwich, uh, for Southampton, uh, Jay Ward Prowse. He is, he's, Anybody that's a free kick taker for those teams, Brentford's free kick taker, uh, Newcastle's got uh, Allian St. Maximin. That guy, that guy could tear loose against a pretty weak Brentford B squad. So I look at it more fun from that perspective in the EPL. But let, let's get to your team, Chris Watford. Man U. Let's talk well, about that one. Man U is going to wipe the floor with them. They're not going to get caught in a trap game. And I wanted to touch on this here for you because the following week, Sunday, November 28th, mark it down in your calendars. By my, you know, as I'm learning more and more about EPL, I see two monster matchups on a Sunday, November 28th. It looks like the 27th. Uh, I didn't see a ton on the 27th. But I'm seeing, and, and and this is this is me trying to figure out if I'm nailing the uh, big matchups. But I see Man City West Ham as a massive match between those two, and then I see Chelsea Man United on Sunday, eleven twenty eight. So this will be Thanksgiving week. This will be that Sunday. Are these two heavyweight? premier matches man city west ham chelsea man united oh that's gonna be a fun day yeah yeah i yeah i agree with you i mean i i've been toting the rock for man city saying i i think they're ultimately going to prevail and win another title but you know west ham i like west ham I, I, I hope West Ham wins that, despite my picks. Uh, Chelsea, Man United, that's that's two teams heading a little bit different directions, but a win by either could do a lot for their for the health in their locker room. Yeah, I mean, there's no question that you know Man United's got to figure something out. I'm not following as closely as you. What do you see as the biggest problem at Manchester United right now? What 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 are the issues happening there? Why are they sliding? I, I just think it's like a, the, the failed Galactico strategy. Did they force pers- it? Was it forced? Well, the Galactico strategy, okay, remember Real Madrid when they had David Beckham and sure. Zinedine Zidane? And sure. They were loaded up. That worked out in that league at that time. Well, I mean, you're bringing in Ronaldo. I mean, you you have – you have a lot of good players. You got Bruno Fernandez. You got you got too many guys that got too much ability, and it's the the collective output's not enough. 
I, I, that, that's what I think. That's what I call the the failed Galactico strategy. Yeah, I uh, like that one. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna have to tweet that one. Failed Galactico strategy. But the funny thing is, is that this can relate to. And again, I'm I'm novice when it comes to my EPL knowledge. You know a ton more than I do. But it's interesting how all sports end up intertwining. You know what I mean? Like that's common. The the, the thing that you just described is the New York Yankees. I mean, you go out, you find all the best talent you can find, you know, every high priced player that there is out there. And for whatever reason, they just don't gel. They just don't come together. And that's why it's so cliche, but it's a team game. It's got to be a cohesive unit. You need the role players. You need the guys that don't care about the stats and the numbers. You know, that's why the NFL, they talk about in the trenches, you know, your O and D line play is probably what's going to carry you to a Super Bowl. I mean, we could talk about Mahomes and all these other guys all day long, but if you don't have guys that can block and and, and guys that can go out there and defend uh, from the point of attack on the line of scrimmage, you're not going to win. So it, it's it's interesting to hear that correlation and to hear that that's what's going on with Manchester United. Why did they feel like they needed to take that approach? I don't think they got off to the start that they needed. Mm-hmm. They're their strike force wasn't putting forth the goals. I mean, Fernandez has been excellent. They got Luke Shaw. I mean, they, they, they have some really solid players. They, they, they figured they needed more goals and you bring in Ronaldo and it's, it's just not working out. You know, I mean, remember Vince Young and in, in this famous uh, 2015 and when the Eagles declaring that they were going to win the Super Bowl like the second week of training camp. I mean, that team didn't even make the playoffs. So. And Ronaldo's had flashes because you do see some highlights here and there. But you, you said it. You said he's, what, 35, 36? Yeah. Yeah, he just turned 36. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's not he's not a young kid anymore. So He can't carry you every single week anymore. Like, can he no. still be very solid? But he can't play all the time. He's too old. Yeah. He's too old at 36. Wow, that hurts. Well, but but I mean, you know how grueling that sport <laughs> no, is. No, it's I mean, so true. It, it's so it's, true. You got to go 90 minutes plus hard in the position that he plays. It's it's, it's difficult. <laughs> Before we get out of here, let's talk about some North American soccer, and let's talk about uh, the USA and the, and Mexico. And and US is now dominating Mexico in soccer, and and what is happening there. And then also, I noticed that Canada beat Mexico. So so what is going on here in North America? I love it, dos acero. <laughs> It rings true to my ears every time I hear it. Um, I love it that three times in the last competitive fixtures that hey, the U.S. has has taken them down. It, it, it's it's great. Remember what we said on one of our first podcasts? It said yeah. when the U.S. is beating Mexico more than 50% of the time or at least 50% of the time in competitive, mm-hmm. now you can start talking about different things. It's not exactly translating and qualifying because you followed it up with a draw at Jamaica, which could have easily been a loss. I mean, it's you were lucky to get any points out of that. But mm-hmm. it, it's great to see the American program you know, finding itself a little bit, Christian Pulisic coming back, you know, only as a substitute, but you know, there's some young talent. I mean, you, you can tell like the leagues that the top American players are playing in, or they're getting in the top leagues they're getting in the top squads, the anti-American bias that has been out there in world football for a long time, as it pertains to field players has finally been 
taken down a little a notch a little bit and these guys are getting opportunities at a young age from the past they wouldn't get them and it, and it's starting to pay dividends so it, I, i'm super pleased as a american soccer fan yeah it's a great point because they've gone out and they've gone out and played uh, internationally and they they've they've kind of let the American players go ahead and, and find their way and then just come back and become that cohesive unit that you're talking about. They have enough stars to be able to make some noise. Uh, are we going to make any World Cup noise in the next 8, 12, 16 years? Yes. I, I, I think you're starting to see the group come together a little bit. Do I believe that Greg Burhalter, the current coach of the United States national team, is going to be the one to lead that charge permanently? No, I, I, I think that is a long shot. I think they're going to have to do better in the coaching realm, and they're most likely going to have to go abroad for ideas, not somebody that's you know a tried-and-true American soccer guy. I think you need to have fresh ideas at all times. But, no, the program is getting better. Um, the U.S. is looking extremely solid to qualify. Uh, you know, I can't speak enough of what Canada did by concacafing well, let's, the Mexican and, team. And let's <laughs> talk about this as your final thought on the way out of here. And thank you again to Rudy's medals. But uh, I want to let Mike go ahead and talk about what Canada did to Mexico on the way out here on the sports queue. I'm going to say happy Thanksgiving to you. But uh, Mike, finish him off with this story on what Canada did here to uh, expertly take it to Team Mexico. When Mexico's coming to your place and you're Canada, you drive them up far north as they can go to Edmonton, Alberta. Take them to the far north and have them play in freezing weather and get their ass kicked and lose the match and set Canada up to actually qualify. I, I don't think they've been in the cup since were, – were they in in – 19, no, not even 98. I think they were in in like 82 or 86. It's been a long time. So uh, it's it's huge for them. Go Canada. 